Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. Coming down to our final two studies in this topic, Living with Hope, going through the book of First Peter, and we're going to look at the pastor in you. When you think about a pastor, what is a pastor to you? What is his role in your life? And on the flip side of that, what is your role in his life? And so we understand a pastor is someone who's called of God, who will fulfill the requirements that are set forth in Scripture. He's called to an office to lead a local church. He leads through godly influence, through preaching and teaching, and through a vision of fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, as we come to our last chapter here, Peter begins to give us uh, some information, some teaching, if you will, on the pastor and you and I, the relationship that you and I have with our pastor. We'll read just a few verses here and we'll jump right into it. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so first of all, we see here what a pastor should be like. Peter begins to speak to those who are in charge of a local church, those pastors. The word elder is used for the same word we would use for pastor, a shepherd. And so we see here a pastor leads by preaching and teaching. The first thing he said here is feed the flock of God which is among you. And so the pastor is to feed his congregation. There's always that illustration of the pastor being the shepherd and the church members being the sheep and how that shepherd is to care for those sheep and how those sheep must have a shepherd to care for them. There's that illustration there that is brought forth into the role of the pastor with his congregation. The word feed there is it says feed the flock of God just means to tend to a flock of sheep. There again, even in the word choice, uh, we see that illustration of the shepherd and the sheep. It means to furnish a pasture for food. When you think about sheep, bless their hearts, they have to have someone lead them. They have to make sure someone can lead them to food, to water, to keep away the uh, enemy and keep away uh, any type of animals who could hurt them. That's the role of the pastor. And so when you think about feeding the flock, this means a pastor preaches and teaches the truth directly from the Bible. It means it's Bible and gospel-centered. It can't be his thoughts and opinions. It can't be his personal preferences taught as Scripture or as truth. And as you're looking for a church, what is maybe the first thing you should look for in finding a church? Is it the biggest building in town? Is it the one that has the most energy, the one that most people tell you should go to? Uh, what should be the first thing to look for in a church is if is from the pulpit, is the pastor preaching the truth of the Word of God? That is the first and foremost foundational thing uh, that a church has to have as far as the essentials of a church. So we see a pastor leads by preaching and teaching. Uh, we also see that he leads by protecting. It says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So a pastor leads by protecting. Uh, the oversight means to look over for the purpose of protecting. So the pastor uh, is to protect. Now, as he's preaching and teaching, he will use that as a tool to protect, 
to guide the sheep, to instruct the sheep, to tell us what we need to know. And the thing about a pastor, sometimes he encourages us. Then sometimes he has to uh, rebuke us or he has to tell us things maybe that we don't want to hear, though we need to hear. And so when you think about a relationship with the pastor and the people, the pastor is to be among the people. Look what it said in verse number one, the elders which are what? Among you, I exhort. So he's to be among the people, but at the same time over the people as far as his position. So he is a shepherd and needs to have a relationship with the people. Wow, it's vital. You think about the shepherd, he's always with his sheep. When we're thinking about a true shepherd uh, out in a pasture, he always has his eyes on the sheep, but he's with them. That way he knows if one is hurting. He knows if one has gone off. He knows if one is missing and he needs to go find. Why? Because he's with the sheep. And so we must not do this. We must not lift the pastor up on a pedestal or the pastor on the flip side must not lift himself up on a pedestal above the people. Uh, what kind of problems can this cause? I've seen this uh, over the years of experience as far as in ministry and Christianity and so forth. Uh, one thing is you hear people talk about the pastor and uh, there needs to be a respect for the office, for the man, absolutely. But when we lift him up on a pedestal, this false idea is that he's sinless and perfect that he does not make mistakes like we do as people. He does not do these things. He does not struggle uh, with uh, uh, things in his thought life. He does not struggle with sin and temptations and different things. And we kind of feel like, oh, he's different. He's separate from, which um, puts this false idea that he cannot relate with us. And it honestly lifts him up on a pedestal uh, that he does not need to be on. On the flip side, if you're the pastor, you don't want to be on that pedestal where people think, that you are sinless and perfect uh, because you are not. So there is a expectation on you that you yourself cannot meet. And you and I as church members, when we pick him up and lift him up on that pedestal, we put those expectations on him that he cannot fulfill. And so maybe he feels he cannot be raw and real with the people, with his struggles. I think it's awesome when a pastor is transparent with his people transparent in the sense that he can say, look, I messed up here. Look, this is a struggle of mine. Look, I'm having a hard time in this area. That is a pastor who is being real and raw and can relate with his people, which will remove the pedestal. Another issue with the pastor being lifted up, it creates this man worship. People will follow the man and listen to the man rather than the Lord Jesus or rather than God and his word. You see this often with uh, different crowds who follow somebody maybe who's very charismatic, somebody who has a great uh, ability to speak. Um, Some people have those characteristics and they're not like that. But we can see people begin to worship the man. And the problem with that is when the man falls, then people are destroyed because they put their eyes on man. They're worshiping him. And another issue with that is sometimes the pastor will use that as an authority to get people to do what he wants them to do, whether biblically or non-biblical. It's an unbiblical authority and so forth. So we can't lift the pastor up on a pedestal. I just wanted to talk through that because I do see that often uh, as I have gone through my Christian life. Uh, So a pastor leads by protecting him. A pastor leads by influence. You know, some uh, people want to lead with a heavy hand. You do this. I said it. I've seen that. That's not the way biblically a man should lead. 
It says, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And watch this, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So we're not talking about a dictator here. We're not talking about somebody trying to force people to do things. He does not push or force against their will or against the Bible. And it's funny, it says here, not in it for the money. So that tells us if Peter is instructing these elders, these pastors, with these instructions, then there was an issue in that time. There was an issue where pastors were in it for the money. There was an issue where pastors were forcing and trying to be dictators to their people, or else Peter would have never had to say these things. And we understand nothing is new under the sun that these same issues that the church and Christianity and pastors and church members have dealt with are still the same today. You see, Jesus' formula for leaders is found in the book of Mark, chapter 10. I'm going to read just a couple verses for you here. In chapter 10, verse 42 through 45, he gives us the uh, requirements, the formula, if you will. He says this, uh, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. He's looking out into the world, and this is how they try to do things. And here he says, But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom. So those that lead should be the best servants. They should be the ones that are willing to serve in the lowest capacity, in the middle range capacity, in the highest capacity. That is the formula for a leader. So a pastor leads with influence. He leads with example. He should be charting the way with vision for God's work, uh, getting the gospel out, uh, being a true follower of Jesus Christ. Is the, the podcast is titled Taking Your Next Step. He should be the one leading the way, taking the next step, uh, following Jesus Christ. So that is what a pastor should be like. But the, the, the second part of this is what you and I as church members should be like for our pastor. So Peter gives instructions, yes, to the pastor, but he also gives instructions to the church members. We see in verse number five, he says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. So we're told here to submit to your pastor, and it's interesting, he kind of includes this little phrase here, ye younger. So we understand he's talking to a younger generation, a younger crowd. Uh, it's important here that your pastor has met the previous requirements in order for you to submit to don't submit to a pastor who is not leading biblically. Well, maybe we'll talk about this towards the end. But submit means to place under in an orderly fashion. So as you think about the uh, position, you're going to think about Jesus Christ as being the chief shepherd. You're going to think about the pastor being under him, the under shepherd. Maybe you've heard that term. He leads as the Lord Jesus leads him. And then you and I are under them. That's the orderly influence. That's the submission there. As he follows Jesus, you and I are to follow him. Maybe you've heard it said this way, either you pastor a church, someone is a pastor, or you help someone pastor a church. You're there as a church member to help the pastor fulfill the calling of the church, to feel the great commission, to fulfill however God is leading him. So ultimately, submit to your pastor. And this means to allow your pastor to influence your life. 
So that means to listen to his teaching and advice. Listen to the preaching. If it's biblical, then listen to it. Heed it. Look to and follow his example. Here's a typical problem you may encounter. The younger tend to be impatient and intolerant of the older. Why? Because they move slower. They aren't in step with the culture. And unfortunately, sometimes resist change. On the flip side, the older don't understand the younger because they're just there's a gap there. They're not growing up in the same generation that they did. Their, their mind and their body and the way they think is different. And sometimes they resist the change the younger may bring. Warren Wiersbe said this, this is not, speaking of our passage, to suggest that the older church members run the church and never listen to the younger members. How often have you seen that? Where the older ones are in charge, they don't listen to anything the younger crowd have to do. And unfortunately, uh, as I travel around, I've been in quite a few churches where there is not a younger generation, where the vast majority are older. And praise God for that, that they're older uh, people in church, but there's something missing. You see, there is huge, huge, tremendous benefit in multi-generational relationships. A church that is thriving has a nursery with babies crying, has teenagers who are maybe dirtying up the carpet, having young adults, having middle age, and then having senior saints. That's the essence of a thriving church. He goes on to say, too often there is a generation war in the church with the older people resisting change and the younger people resisting the older people. You see, change is good. Change is hard, though, right? It's hard to change when you've done it. When you hear someone say that we've always done it this way, we're not going to do that. Now, there may be a time when you don't need to change, but that doesn't need to be the reason why we've always done it that way. There's a lot of things we used to do in our country, in our culture, and the way we do things is just not efficient like it used to be, and we change. And so the younger generation has a lot to offer the church. The older generation has a lot to offer the younger generation. I think Peter was dealing with that even 2,000 years ago. He said, look, likewise, you younger submit unto the elder. Look, let the elder, let those that are older than you, and you can flip this around too because sometimes you have a younger pastor who is an elder uh, who has that position, and the older generation doesn't want to follow him, doesn't want to allow him to lead them because he's younger. This can't be. We have to respect the office of the pastor. He is a God-called man, and if he's leading biblically and scripturally, then we are to submit. We're to bring ourselves under in an orderly fashion. He's not dictating. He's not ruling with a heavy hand. He's leading through example, leading through influence, leading through preaching and teaching. He's protecting us. That's the essence that Peter is talking about here. And when he's doing that, then you and I should want to submit to him, bring ourselves under him and follow his lead. Uh, in my life personally, I have older men that I have always wanted in my life uh, to lean on, to get guidance, to get that experience, to, to, to have to talk to and get advice and so forth. But now that I, I want to consider myself younger, uh, but I'm not a young man anymore. I'm in my middle age. I'm 43. And so I have to and want to keep younger people around me so that I can stay fresh, so that I can uh, understand what's going on, so they can guide and lead and teach me. I don't know it all, and nor do I ever claim to know it all. And so there's great benefit, and I think Peter was dealing with that. So you and I are to submit to our pastor, we're to follow his lead, um, allow him to influence our life. And then lastly, real briefly here, what both should be like, it just clothed with humility. 
He says, if you're, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a youth pastor, whether you're a church member, missionary, it does not matter. He says, you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud. I hate to think that my choices, my attitude, uh, what I think about myself would actually cause God to resist me. And we're talking about humility here. He's talking about you and I put it on and wear it around everywhere. Now, humility can kind of get misunderstood. It means lowliness of mind or esteeming self small. Sometimes we get the idea as a Christian, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to let everybody walk all over top of me. I'm going to let people misuse me. I'm just going to hold my head down, shrink my shoulders, sit quietly. That's not what humility is at all. It means to have a correct estimate of yourself, to understand that you are a sinful person. It, some would say it's the opposite of pride. But it's not us being beat down and uh, just thinking we can't say anything. When you think about uh, being humble, it doesn't mean you're soft, quiet, and passive. You're not a pushover or a doormat that people walk all over. That's not at all. Why? How do I know that? Because Scripture tells us that Moses was one of the meekest or one of the most humble men on earth. He was meek. He was humble. Yet he led an entire nation out of slavery. He confronted Pharaoh, calling him out on the carpet to a government official and said, this is wrong. This is what we're doing. Let our people go. And think about Jesus. He confronted, if anybody was the essence of humility, it was Jesus. And sometimes we get this idea that Jesus is just super soft and very quiet. Uh, Jesus was a man. Jesus was a man's man. And Jesus confronted the religious leaders to their face and called them out. He even went into the church building and flipped the tables upside down. Now, that wasn't his normal occasion, but he did that in humility he did that in a righteous anger. And so you and I need to be clothed with the example of Christ, which is humility. So ask yourself, how are you helping your pastor pastor your church? What type of church member are you? Are you a consumer or are you a giver? Are you someone who stirs up gossip or are you someone who's trying to stir up the gospel out into the community? What type of church member are you to your church? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.